0: Uh, My name is Chris Massey. If I've never met you before, uh, as my wife said before, I am one of the pastors here on staff at the church. We're glad that you came to uh, just spend some time with us this morning and and learn about Jesus and be connected with the family. And uh, that's what church really is supposed to be. It's not a religious organization. It's not just a club that we're a part of. It's meant to be a family. And I'm, I'm grateful that you're part of my family, and I'm grateful that I get to be part of yours. And, and so we, we really do cherish all this time that we get to spend together. But I want to jump right into my message. Um, I, I feel a little crunched for time, but I'm going to do my best. Um, this, this message that God gave me for this week, I've been really praying a lot about as the week has gone on, because I really feel like there are a lot of people That God wants to impact with this message. And and so I I just want to kind of encourage you with that, maybe be a little bit more on the edge of your seat with your listening ears turned on than normal, because I really feel like there are people that God wants to speak to through this. And so I know we've prayed a lot already, but I would like to pray again, if you would, if you would permit me, because I want to pray that God would use this message to impact the hearts and lives that he wants to impact this morning. So can we pray that together? So God, I just pray right now That as as we just study your word and study Abraham, God, that you would use this message to impact the hearts and lives that you have your eyes set on this morning. And Lord, we know that you're able and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we've been talking last week, started talking about a man named Abraham. We were calling him last week. His name was Abram because God didn't change his name just yet. Uh, But talking about God's promise in his life, uh, we were even in worship, we were singing the song, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, if you were that, you know, where does that come from? It's from Father Abraham, that's what we're singing about. Great is your faithfulness, your promises, you know, you're always going to be there and be faithful. But I want to look at Abraham, and we will be doing this over the next few weeks, reason being, Abraham is the first. He doesn't have anybody else that he can look back to and be like, hey, how did they follow Jesus? What did it look like when they lived their lives for God? Uh, How did it turn out for them? He had to be the first one to say, I'm going to live my life for God and we'll see how it turns out for me. I'm going to have faith in God because God is good. And and there is always a, a sacrifice to be made. And as we said last week, he did that for his entire lifetime and never reaped the benefit of his own promise. It wasn't until later that his children's 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 children reaped the benefit of that promise. And I say that to say a reminder for us, uh, it's always about the next generation. It's always about reaching and, and blessing the next generation. Somebody somewhere gave of themselves so that you could be here today. There was somebody who was maybe a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, or they worked at Summer Blast or whatever that looks like. I I, I think back about my Sunday school teachers growing up. How many went to Sunday school growing up? Yeah, I I love my Sunday school teachers. I know one of them was like 170, but she was awesome. And she knew Moses personally. We would talk about her personal interviews with him. Uh, but it was it was amazing, and just loved the way that she poured into my life, and, and I so greatly appreciate that. There's always an investment to be made, an investor and someone who reaps the benefit. But I want to look at Abraham, because he, he's at a tough point in his life in which trusting God becomes even more difficult than it has been before. And so it's Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6, and I want to read this for you. It says, sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abraham, or Abram replied, O Sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings? Can we just stop right there? Wow. Okay. This is not like a good script if you're going to have a conversation with God, okay? But let's listen to where Abram goes with this. O Sovereign Lord, What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir." Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed, can you say believed? Believed. Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abram believed the Lord. This is a big deal, right? We've been talking already about promises that God has made to Abram. He's waiting and just, just trusting. Okay, I guess God's going to do what he's going to do. But he reaches a low point. Have any of you ever been there? You reach a low point of just waiting for God's promise to come true of like, well, I know God said he's going to do this, but I've been waiting a long time and it doesn't seem to be happening. You're in good company because this is where Abram's at, right? We look at, at these, these pillars of the faith, right? The patriarchs. And we think of Father Abraham, or like man of great faith who just never ever had a, a doubting moment. Welcome to his doubting moment. Welcome to his moment where he's having a conversation with God, and his, his reply to God is, hey God, what good are your blessings? What good do they do me? I don't even have the prerequisites of family, a child, a son, that gonna, I'm going to be able to see the blessing of. What good is your promise to me at this point? Listen, we've all been there. Let's not not judge Abram too harshly, okay? I've been there. You've been there. And and I just want to speak to that, that it's okay to question God. Can, Can I tell you that this morning? I don't know if you've ever been told that before. It's okay to sometimes in your pursuit of trying to live for God to maybe get a little frustrated with God and be like, hey, God, what's up? Sometimes those conversations have to happen. And believe me when I tell you they're not for God's benefit, but they will be for yours. You're never going to have a, Hey God, what's up conversation where God walks away differently, but you may have some where you walk away very differently. And this is Abram. This is where he's at. But, but then we see on the other side of this, God just reaffirms to him. He says, this is my promise. This is what's going to happen. And Abram, and I had you say this word, he just believed. He believed and God credited it to him as righteousness. He just believed. And, and I want to speak this to you this morning because here's the, here's the problem that we face in our belief. Has anyone in here ever had someone offer you a promise that they didn't keep? Only four of you. Wow. I'm going to have to change the message. We'll just... You know what? We're used to it. In fact, we're used to being lied to. I, I was trying to think of a couple examples of this. Like number one that gets me is the weatherman. Like, all winter long, he's like, all right, there's going to be a blizzard this weekend. You're going to want to buy all the milk, eggs, and bread that you possibly can because you'll be stormed in for days and days. And we get a dusting. And then the next storm, everybody's just like, what's he going to say now? We've been lied to. I'm going to go here for a second. I'll just watch your toes if you must. Some of us, we've been lied to by politicians, right? Here's the promise. I'll give you this promise. And, and we can almost see, like, God, like, if you vote for me, you'll have a life filled with patience, joy, and blessing. But how many times have we seen those promises that were not fulfilled? And and, and I want to say this to say, when God makes a promise, don't forget it was him who said it. The promise that you receive from God is not the same as the promise that you might get from the weatherman or a politician, a close family member, friend, spouse, whatever. Those promises, and, and a lot of you have experienced the brokenness of those promises, but God's not like anybody else. And the important thing for us to keep in perspective is that it is he, it is God who said it. And when he says that it matters, and Abram believed God. And, and here's where I want to just kind of point to before we move on, is that unwavering faith honors God. Unwavering faith honors God. So does that mean if you ever have any doubts that God can't do anything for you? Yes, unfortunately, that's what that means. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. We all have moments where we question, Right? We all have moments where we wonder. We all have moments where we're up against it and we're like, is God gonna do what God said he's gonna do? And if he is, when's he gonna do it? Unwavering faith honors God. And here's the other side of that. God honors unwavering faith. God honors unwavering faith. The book of James puts it this way, and I love the way that that he writes this. He says this, James 1, verses six through eight. Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person who with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind, and such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Listen, James is saying it this way. You can't be a person of self-reliance or worldly reliance and a person who relies on God at the same time. You're wavering between two different ideas and two different opinions. And I love the way that he describes this by talking about a wave. How many of you are just a little afraid of the ocean? Any of you? Like, I'm going to be honest. I'm just a little afraid of the ocean. I'm, I'm pretty strong, but I'm nothing compared to the ocean. All right? My, my daughter and I, we were swimming at North Myrtle Beach a couple years ago. And, you know, we get into the water and they tell you about riptides and all that stuff to terrify you before you get in. It's like, there could be riptides and there could be sharks, but go have fun, right? So we tell our kids, like, hey, if you see a fin, get out, uh, I don't know, uh, a riptide, if you start to feel yourself pulled out, don't swim in, swim up or away, you know, up, up the shoreline to get away from it. So Meredith and I, were standing and we're in the water and we're just bouncing around and having fun and we're like, okay, let's go in. So we started to swim and we went like this and we just started to panic a little bit, not me so much, more her. Um, she, she, she's like dad 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 what do we do I, I can't get in I can't get in and I'm like it's okay it's okay just swim a little bit up the shore on an angle and we'll get there and in my head I'm going oh we're gonna die we're gonna die we're gonna die but you can't show the kids that kind of fear right you've got to keep it together so we swam and we got up and we get to the shore and we're looking back and both of us just had this moment where we looked at each other and we're like we're gonna sit on the beach for a little bit We're just going to sit down. But listen, this is the imagery that he gives because the reality is that waves are much stronger than we are. They carry us in ways that we cannot oppose in any way, shape, or form. And he says, if you are caught between these two tensions of being godly and being worldly, you're going to be tossed all over the place by both of them. You're going to be pulled in the direction of self-reliance, and you're going to always want to be pulled in the direction of trusting in God, but you'll never become fully stable. You'll just be tossed all over the place. Unwavering faith honors God, and God honors unwavering faith. So we look at Abraham's adventure from here on out, and here's what happens in his life. I want to recap here. Abram was 75 years old before he moved out of mom and dad's house, Right? At the age of 75, God tells him, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Guess what? Ten years later, he still doesn't have a child. So his wife comes up with this great idea. Sarai proposes that he marry her servant and have children through her. I want to point out this was totally her idea. Next verse, Sarah blames Abraham for Hagar getting pregnant. I'm not going to go there. Then Hagar gives birth to a son and they name him Ishmael, which means God sees. But before Ishmael is even born, God gives a vision to Hagar, speaks to her in the wilderness and says this about her son. This son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. Like, you hear this blessing from the Lord, and you're like, thanks, Lord. Here's the reality. This is all coming about because we've entered a season and a time in Abram's life where he's taken matters into his own hands. Instead of waiting on the promise from God, he basically reached a point in his frustration where he's like, I'm sick of waiting. Maybe God wants me to be the one who does the thing. Maybe God wants me to be the one who makes the next move and takes the next step. I'm just going to have to do it so that we keep the ball rolling here because I do believe in what God said he wants to do, but maybe I've got to make it happen. And out of that, Ishmael is born. And, and so then we see this a few years after that. So this is 14 years later. Ish- Ishmael is 14 years old. And here's what we read in Genesis 17. <clears throat> it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Now, Abraham is fully aware that he's 99 years old at this point. All right, so this is what we read a few verses later in verses 17 to 19. It says, then Abram bowed down to, down to the ground and he laughed to himself in disbelief. Now, can we just pause I don't know about you, but I've always got this picture in my mind of Abraham just being like this man of unbelievable faith, who believes and trusts every single thing that God says and knows it's going to happen. We've just read two verses where, in one, God's saying, "What good are," your, or Abraham saying, "God, what good are your blessings?" because you haven't given me the promise. And in the second, he's having another, another conversation with God, and he bows down and he's laughing to himself, thinking, "Okay, God, whatever you say." I don't think so, but whatever you say. And then he goes on to say this. How could I become a father at the age of 100? And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? Don't we always have our reasons why God's plan's not going to work? Right? We've always got our little question, that nagging question that's like, okay, God, I know you said this, but let's take a reality check for a moment. Let's look at what's really going on, because I don't think your plan's going to work anymore. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, God. I got a little too old. I waited a little too long. You should have done it sooner or earlier or differently, because now it's a little too late. It's not going to happen. And this is exactly the questioning that he has. And so he comes up with yet another great idea. So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. Where's he saying, we got that covered, God. I know you told me descendants. I already worked that out. I got myself a boy. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. So we have Abraham, who has already taken matters into his own hands, said, I can't wait on God anymore. I got tired of waiting on God. I got tired of waiting on God's promise. I'm doing it my way. So he marries Hagar, and they have a son, and they name him Ishmael. And 14 years later, he's convinced himself, I did what I needed to done do. It's taken care of. And then God shows up one more time, and he says, you created an Ishmael, but I wanted to give you an Isaac. And I want you to hear me this morning, Ishmael is not Isaac. Ishmael is not Isaac, and the unfortunate thing for for a lot of us in our lives, and I'm not pointing fingers when I say it because I've done it myself, is that we get so impatient of waiting for what God wants to do that we take matters into our own hands, and we run and charge ahead without God's blessing, without God's will, without God's plan, and we come up with Ishmaels in our lives that will never be Isaacs. They will never be the blessing that God had in store for us because Ishmael's is not Isaac, and Isaac's not Ishmael. When we trust in God, when we wait for him to deliver on his promise, it doesn't look like anything that we could have done on our own. And every time we choose to take matters into our own hands, there's a price to be paid. Every time we make the decision to do it our way instead of God's way, There's a price to be paid. And this is exactly what we see in Abraham's life because what happens a few chapters later, this is a few years later, is that in Genesis 21, we read verses 10 to 13, that Sarah turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of this slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much. Because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. I don't want to make light of this. This is a moment of heartbreak for Abraham. We read in chapter twenty one that at this point Isaac um, has been weaned from his mother, which by definition means he 's between the ages of five and seven, mean, meaning he no longer needs his mother so mathematically we 're saying that Ishmael is between the ages of seventeen and twenty and and, and what God asks him to to do seems so in a sense to us, barbaric and unthinkable, right? Like, God says to him, Ishmael was your plan. Ishmael was what you created. Ishmael was what you did because you couldn't wait for me. And now you're going to have to let Ishmael go. Because my blessing is in my Isaac plan for your life. My blessing is in what I have spoken over you. It's not the things that you took into your own hands. It's not what you did on your own. It's what I did for you and through you. But he says, listen, I'm going to take care of Ishmael because he's your son. I'm going to bless him because he's your son. I'm going to take care of him and I'm going to make him into a great nation. And, And listen, as I said a moment ago, this idea that Isaac is not Ishmael and Ishmael is not Isaac and there's a price to be paid. Abraham's family ends up broken because he couldn't trust God. Because he took matters into his own hands. In fact, that brokenness persisted. And to this day, when you look at around the world, the tension between Christianity and Islam traces its roots all the way back to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. That battle is still waging over 4,000 years later. Why? Because Abraham accepted an Ishmael instead of having the patience to wait for an Isaac. I want to ask you this this morning. It's a moment of self-reflection because we've all allowed a few Ishmaels in our lives sometimes. I I have. I don't make light of how difficult it is to wait for things from God. Listen, from the time that God told me that I would be a pastor until I actually became a pastor, I had to wait 15 years. I was 14 years old when I was sitting in a service and God said, you're going to be a pastor. And so you know what? I was like, I'm going to be a pastor. And I went to Bible college and I did everything right. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to order my steps so that I can be a pastor just like God told me to do. And I graduated from college and I was like, all right, where are all the churches that want this guy? But that wasn't God's plan. God had me in bivocational ministry. I ended up working in construction. I ended up many times, and Jess going to attest to this, in our home, in our first apartment in Birdsboro, I would lay in our back den on the couch and I'd be so frustrated. So frustrated. Especially when a guy who's my, one of my best friends in the world now, who had been working as a CPA and God says, I'm calling you into ministry and overnight he's in ministry. And I'm like, God, what the heck? I went to Bible college. He didn't go to Bible college. I've been trusting you and your plan ever since you told me about it. Why is he in ministry? I mean, I'm telling you, I lived it. It was terrible. And there were so many times that Ishmael opportunities were presented to me. Maybe I could make it work this way. Maybe I could do this. Maybe I could somehow get myself into full-time ministry because that was God's plan anyway. Maybe it's just on me to get it done. I don't make light of the waiting because I've lived it. And I can tell you this, I look at my life right now and I know that I'm living in God's Isaac plan for my life. And I look back on those other opportunities, I'm like, God, thank you so much that I did not fall into that trap The waiting is hard, but here's the question. Is my plan robbing me of God's plan? Is my plan robbing me of God's plan? Is my plan creating an Ishmael? Is my plan something that I'm like, well, this is just the way it's got to be because this is the only way it's going to work. It's the only way that I can manifest what I know needs to happen and make it come to be. Am I creating Ishmaels for myself that are going to rob me of God's plan? Church, this is something we have to contemplate so often because just as Abraham had to experience, there is a price. There is a price, a consequence that comes through Ishmael's when we didn't have the patience to wait for Isaac. And I believe, I really do, and again, I'm, I'm not saying this in any way to point fingers because I have been there. I've I've got my Ishmaels. I've got my own. And I look back on my Ishmaels and I look back to where they took me and I look back to what they did to my life. And I'm so grateful for the blood of Jesus that overcomes my Ishmaels. I'm so grateful for the blood of Jesus that transforms my stupidity into blessing somehow. But there was always a price. There was always a price. And I want to encourage you, if you're in a place where you say, I, I need to really consider God's plan for my life. You know, when I was younger, maybe he was speaking this to me, or I always thought that this is where my life would end up, or what God wanted to do, or in a way he wanted to use me. I always thought this, or thought this. And, and, and you know what? Life got tough, it got hard, and I couldn't wait any longer. I became impatient, I became frustrated. Just like Abraham, I started to be like, God, are you paying attention to reality? Don't trade and Isaac for an Ishmael. Because God's plan and his blessing are something that are worth waiting for. This is the story of Abraham. Wait, trust. Because just like we said last week, God is good, he loves you, and he has a plan for you. And sometimes we've got to look the Ishmaels that we are faced with right in the eye. The lie that Satan tries to bring, because here's the reality. And John 10, 10 tells us this. The enemy, Satan, who really does exist, believe it or not, his purpose is this, to steal, kill, and destroy. What? My salvation, God's plan for my life. And if he can't get one, he's going to to try to get the other. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he just likes to add those, how are you going to do that? You're too old. How are you going to, it's too long. How, the, you don't have the talent. You don't have the time. You don't have the reason. And he just loves to speak that. Can I just encourage you, put this as a weapon of warfare in your basket, that when you're tempted in those moments and you're feeling that attack, to say, God loves me, he is good, and he has a plan for me. God is good. He loves me. He has a plan for me. He is good. He loves me. He has a plan for me because the promise came from him. It didn't come from anybody else. It didn't come from another source that's unreliable, that might fail me, that might let me down. It came from the creator of the universe who spoke life into existence. And I'm not going to trade God's plan for an Ishmael. I'm not going to give up what God has in store for me and be robbed of that blessing, be robbed of that future, be robbed of the benefit just because I grew impatient. If you've already been down that road, I want to encourage you just as Abraham had to do, and it, it hurt, it hurt, it hurt. But he said, I will separate myself from the broken plan that I made to step into God's plan for my future. It's worth it. Will you pray with me? God, I'm so grateful for your goodness in our lives. So grateful, God, that I still can look back and see your goodness, your love, your plans. And Lord, I just ask right now that you'd forgive us. Forgive us for the Ishmaels. Forgive us for the times that we've taken matters into our own hands because we just couldn't wait any longer. Forgive us for the times when we put our plan and our goals and our timeline ahead of yours because we just couldn't take it anymore. God, would you just speak conviction on our hearts right now that when we can't wait on you, when we grow weary, that we've given in God, we rob ourselves. There's a price. There's a price that gets paid because of that unwillingness to wait on your promise. God, would you remind us once again that you're good, that you love us, that you have a plan for our lives, that you're faithful, that we can trust you because it was you who said it, not anybody else, not any other source or any other thing that could be wrong or that might turn and change its mind. It was you who said it. God, let that be enough for us. Churches, we're in prayer. I just, I really want to pray for those of you who are in here today and maybe you're in the place where you know in and of your own life, I've got some Ishmaels. I've traded away some things because I just couldn't wait any longer. I was impatient. I was frustrated, just like Abraham was. And I, I took matters into my own hands. But I want to believe for God's promise again. I don't want to settle for the Ishmaels in my life. I want the Isaac. I want the blessing. I want what God has in store for me. If that's you, can I just ask you to slip up a hand because I want to pray with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. A lot of hands across this room. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask you to stand with me? Church, the last thing I would ever do is to point my finger at you for saying you accepted an Ishmael. To point a finger at you and say, oh, you've messed it up now. Can I please remind you of this? The grace of God is sufficient. And that if you just are willing to give back to Him and say, okay, God, I know I've got to let go of my plan. I've got to let go of it. I've got to release it because I want to live in your blessing. I want to live in your promise. I want that. It doesn't make it easy. Please hear me for those of you, and many of you raised your hands in here. Please hear me. It does not make it easy. But Just like we look back on Abraham's life and we read about it in Hebrews chapter 11 where it recounts the incredible faith of this man. It does not say he was a bonehead. There were times he didn't trust God. There were times when he made mistakes. He even fathered an Ishmael. It doesn't say that anywhere. What's remembered, what God records about him and you, they trusted God, had faith, and it was credited to them as righteousness. So no matter what you've done, no matter what you've put yourself through, wh- whatever's going on, God can still turn it around. He can still turn it around. And your story doesn't end with they accepted an Ishmael. Your story ends with they believed God and it was credited to them as righteousness. So I want to pray for those of you who raised your hand. God, right now, there are so many in this room and maybe some watching online who can very securely relate to the brokenness that Abraham felt that tension father God of realizing just how when and where things got off the rails and he took matters into his own hands and God we have been there but Lord we call on you not just for your incredible mercy because that would be enough but Lord for your faithfulness Because even when we are not faithful, you're still faithful. As Psalm 103 reminds us, you realize that we are just dust. You realize that we can't do it on our own, that we need you. And so God, we're turning to you. And I'm lifting up right now my brothers and sisters in this room who see in their own lives the Ishmaels, who see the broken plans, their own thoughts, their own ideas. Lord, and I just pray right now by the blood of Jesus, save them from those Ishmaels. Save them, God. Turn it around. Bring it back as only you can do. Restore the God plan, the Isaac plan, the plan of blessing Father God. Would you just fill us with faith once again to trust and believe that you're good, you love us, and you have a plan for us. That we would not grow weary in well-doing, realizing that in time, if we remain faithful, we will reap a harvest of your blessing. God, go before my brothers and sisters who are in that tension right now. Lord, I pray that you would give them unwavering faith, trust in you and in nothing else. And that, Lord, that you would show up in their circumstances and move in power like never before. I thank you that you're still the God of the Isaacs, that you're still the God of faithfulness and promise. And I pray that promise over my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, as you go today, please, I remind you and I implore you, whenever you're tempted to give in, look that temptation in the eye and say, God is good. He loves me and he has a plan for me and I won't trade that plan for anything else because he's faithful. Our prayer team will be up here. We'd love to meet with you, to pray with you if you'd like more prayer this morning. The Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus.